0: Welcome to the Better Spearfishing Podcast, where we talk all things spearfishing. If you want to improve your spearfishing and hear some wild stories, you've come to the right place. Hey guys, welcome to episode 3 of the Better Spearfishing Podcast. Glad to have you here. And the topic of this podcast is... What is the best fish to learn to spear fish with? Now, the last episode, episode two, I spoke about what is the best spear gun for the new diver to get. And you can go back and, and uh, get my thoughts on that if you'd like. This one, this episode, I'm going to talk about what type of fish should a new diver target. And there's, we'll unpack it in, in this discussion because there's, there's a few bits to this. So let's just firstly say that, of course, in different parts of the world, there are different types of fish. So if you are living in England, there are fish that are specific or common in your area, which will be very different, or maybe very different, to if you were living in the tropics somewhere, if you were living in Indonesia or Northern Australia, they're going to be different types of fish and um, different conditions. So there's no, I can't give you one answer and say that's the fish you should go for. That's going to make help you learn. It's because it depends where you live. But what I can do in this in this episode is explain what kind of diving you should be focusing on and the sorts of fish that um, that you'll be able to get. And I can give some examples. So, all right, let's um, let's jump straight into it. So. Again, let's unpack the question. So, the best fish for the beginner spear fisherman. So, a beginner diver, the first thing we need to just accept this is reality is that a beginner diver is limited in the sorts of spots, firstly, that they're going to be comfortable diving, and um, secondly, the sorts of spots they should be diving. So, if you are the beginner diver, you do you know you're not going to be going and jumping in off on offshore pinnacles 20 kilometers from shore with big blue water floats and hunting giant tuna. That is a really bad idea. That's that's a quick way to get yourself killed. So you're not going to do that. As a beginner diver, what and again I'll just speak from what I've seen people do and, and what has worked and, and really helped them on their journey to, to, to learn this great sport. Beginner diver, you are probably going to start by diving from the shore. That's just the reality. Most um, guys getting into this, if they don't have a boat or they they might not have a lot of lot of mates in the sport yet um, or know a lot of people in it. If you don't, you're probably going to be diving from the shore. If you're diving from a boat, look with the same. um You know, I'm going to make this very similar recommendations, but okay, that that's just the first thing because that seems to be common for most guys. Starting out, so you're going to be diving from the shore. Now, if you're new to this, you're not going to be wanting to go and dive through big waves, a big set of surf to get out to the backline. You know, I'm, I'm giving an example from South Africa, where you would dive the backline for things like Gallic, and now you need to know how to dive through big surf with all your gear. Again, as a beginner, you don't want to do that. That it's it's actually fairly hard work, and um, You know, there's just too many things that can go wrong if you you know, especially when you're learning. So you're not gonna want to do that. You're going to want to focus on fairly calm areas where there's there's not a lot of turbulence, there's not a huge waves, it's a fairly calm, generally bays, so protected bays. And I'll do another episode on how to find these sort of spots. So of course, you can talk to other people, but you can actually find all this information yourself. And I can show you in another episode exactly what to look for to find the good, good spots for. Depending on um, you know what type of fish you you're looking for and what level you're at, we'll go into all of those that in other episodes. But for now, for this episode, we're, we're saying okay, you you're going to want to find areas that are calm, not huge uh, waves. So somewhere where you can get in and out of the water fairly easily. In fact, I'm gonna go further than that. I'm going to say very easily because as a beginner, you you also don't don't wanna do something that's so hard it's going to discourage you and then you give up because then it defeats the purpose. You want to enjoy the journey and that's gonna keep you in the game. So you, you wanna find somewhere where you can get in the water easily, have a swim around, see some fish, the visibility is going to be good enough. It's going to need to be somewhere fairly shallow because you are not diving, you know, you're not diving to 15, 20 meters when you're a beginner. We're probably talking two, three, four meters, maybe five meters. It's that shallow sort of diving. So what this really leaves us with is sheltered bays. And, uh, you know, in, in in many parts of the world, you're not allowed to dive in livers. But if you are, or in estuaries, if you are, that's a fantastic place as well. But in most parts of the world, we're going to be talking. And, and again, I'm talking about ocean spearfishing. Um, if in your country you are allowed to dive in fresh water, that's fantastic. That is the best way to learn spearfishing. Just the mechanics of it. Um, it's not. Well, I, I don't think it's particularly interesting compared to the ocean, um, and, but this is how I, I learned in, um, in freshwater because you can, if you can dive in lakes, they're calm, there's no waves. Um, it, it's, it's quite easy spearfishing and, and you, you get to learn how it all works. But anyway, assuming that you can only dive in the ocean um, because that most or many countries, they do not allow you to spearfish in freshwater. So let's say in the ocean, so you're going to be limited to calm and sheltered bays. And of course, now it needs to be somewhere where you're allowed to spearfish. fish. Um, but calm and sheltered bays, let, let's just think of the ecology of those areas. So a bay, it's normally going to be sandy or maybe a pebbly bottom. And it, you, obviously, you, if it's just sand, there's not going to be a lot of fish there. You know what, what are they, what's there for them to eat or to hide behind? So there needs to be some structure. There needs to be a little bit of leaf or weed. Um, and the, the good thing here is you can find spots. There's plenty of spots like this in you know, around the world. It, it, just about any country you can think of, there will be some sheltered bays that have you know that are shallow, They've got maybe a sandy or a pebbly bottom. There's not a lot of water movement, you know there's no big currents, there's no big waves. Um, And there's a little bit of weed and, you know, maybe a few rocks or a little bit of um, a reef. And those are the sort of spots you want to start on. So the good thing with like a sheltered bay like this is if you're not getting a huge amount of water movement through there, it generally means that the water will be a little bit cleaner. So the water obviously gets churned up the more it's moving around and and churning up sand and and stuff off the bottom. That... uh, of course, there's many other reasons for visibility, which um, we'll talk about in other podcasts. But as a general rule, if, it's a, if, it, if the water's fairly stable in an area, it's not moving around a lot, it's going to be a little bit cleaner. And that's great. That's what you want. As a beginner, you don't want to be bumping into things underwater. You want to be able to see at least, I would say, three meters minimum. If you can get four, four meter plus visibility, that is brilliant for the beginner spear fishermen, especially if you, we, we, you can find spots where it's only somewhere between one and, say, five meters deep. And there's sand, some pebbles, uh, you know, a bit of weed, some locks. That's, those are the spots you want to start in. Now, Okay, I've already discussed in in the the previous episode. You're going to be using a fairly short gun, somewhere between the seventy five and one meter length. Just a just a plain aluminium barrel um, tube or pipe gun. Which is this is the standard. This is the average spear gun, um, and a little float, and probably ten meters or of um, of line between them. So that's perfect for these sort of spots. It and it doesn't need to be expensive gear. It's very simple. Um, you're probably not going to be swimming very far either. So you're not going to be doing a long swim, you know, 500 meters to a to a reef. You want to be able to get in off the side, you know, swim 20, 30 meters, and there's there's a bit of weed, and you start seeing a few little fish. That's perfect. So in that kind of spot, let's just think about what kind of fish live in that kind of environment. Well, Because it's an environment where there's not a lot of movement, there's not huge amounts of water coming through, that means there's not going to be huge amounts of fish. There's going to be some, but the spots, you know, when you watch National Geographic or you you watch these amazing videos on YouTube of guys and there's fish everywhere, those are normally spots where there's a lot of water movement, enough to support all those fish because, the the um, a lot of the fish will be feeding out of things floating past in the water, so they're doing that, and then that attracts the bigger fish that eat them, and that attracts even bigger fish. So that, that's sort of the start of the food chain is is the movement of water, and that also influences how much growth there can be, how much um, you know plant growth, or all of these sort of things. It, it largely boils down to movement of water. Um, now, if we, if you're in a place where there's kelp and there's a lot of weed, just in a shallow bay, you know that, that's growing from sunlight. It's a, it's a plant, so that you're golden. Then, if you know if you're in England or um, you know one of the Nordic countries, somewhere a bit cooler where you have um, algae and or kelp, bull kelp the the shallow areas with that that's perfect that's where you need to start if you're in a more tropical area that doesn't have kelp that's fine you you probably can find um pebbly areas or th- there might be areas with a bit of rock and and there'll be algae growing on that rock which will attract the um the herbivorous fish so okay these shallow spots let's let's go back to this that you're not going to get massive numbers of fish in them but if they are fairly flat bottoms, what you are going to get is you should get flatfish. So in I'll give the example in Australia, there are fish called flatheads. Um, and in Africa, they're called crocodile fish. Um, the same type of fish actually occurs in many different parts of the world. In, um, in the UK, you get a lot of flatfish such as place or flounder. Um, and the, these are fish that they basically sit on the sand or, or on the pebble and they they're very flat. They're like a dinner plate dropped on the on the sand. And um they just sort of twitch the the side the, um they've got fins going around the side. They sort of half burrow themselves in, or or they at least flick up a bit of sand so it covers them, and they just sit and wait for things to come past them. Tiny little fish, and then they grab them. Now, these are fantastic fish to learn to spearfish on because. It teaches you a few things. Firstly, they're not moving, so you need to really get your eye into looking for the shape in the sand and saying, "Okay, that's I recognise that shape. That's a place hiding in the sand. Okay, and you can go and get it." They're also great because they're not moving around. They just sit there, so you have time to see it and work out. Okay, how am I going to get in? Okay, is that really what I think? Oh, it is. It's one of those. Okay, cool. Is it big enough? you know, is that going to be, you know, over the side, the bag limit, whatever it might be in your area. If you've got a friend, you can call them over and point and you can, you know, you can actually look at where they are and, okay, are they next to this bit of weed? You know, you can actually learn a huge amount about that fish's ecology just because it's sitting there and you've got time. And also now, once you start getting your eye in to start seeing these sorts of things, so it's going to take a while. You're going to swim around and you're going to think, "There's nothing here. There's nothing here," and then eventually you start seeing them. And what, it's it's um it's like that old uh, story that if you're about to buy a type of car and you don't know um you know you decide you want a lead I don't know Toyota Yaris, and you've never really noticed them, and suddenly once you've seen one and that's what you want, suddenly you start noticing them, and it's exactly the same with this. It's it's because it's somehow it's in your subconscious mind and now your mind, it, you know, it just starts picking them up and you start to notice them more. So that's, this is one of the great things about um, starting on these fishes. It, it's it's also quite a constant thing. They generally, the flatfish hidden in sand, generally they it's the same shape more or less every single time. Um, so it, it's a great thing for pattern recognition. Okay, so um not every area is going to have these, but I would say most will. Um, the, the amount of these types of fish vary depending on where you are in your country or in the world. Um, and I'll give an example. So um, I was recently living in Brisbane and I didn't see very many flatfish where I was diving. And that's because I was diving on sort of reefs um, offshore from my boat. But if i had been diving in the Tweed River, which is um, you're allowed to dive in it, it's a, it's a big river um, sort of between uh, Queensland and New South Wales. It, it sort of forms the border. If you in there you get you get a lot of um, flathead and you get, um, uh, you get flatfish in there, and you actually get really big flathead in there, um, huge things. Um, and it's a fantastic fantastic place for beginner divers to learn to dive the the biggest problem there is really the number of boats and and boat traffic so um but anyway so flatfish are fantastic but in in some parts of the world you just don't get a huge number of them so what else can you target okay you're going to be getting in in most places in the world in a spot like this there's a there's going to be some type of sea bream. Now these are actually probably the hardest fish you're going to target as a beginner. So a sea bream. I'll I'll give some some uh, examples. If you are in um, Europe or the Mediterranean, that would be what you call a sargo. Um, here in I'm in South Africa now, they call them a blacktail or a dussy because it's a it's a little silver fish. It's just your, your traditional sea bream looking fish and it's got a black spot on, um, on the tail. Those are fantastic fish to start with as a beginner. They really teach you everything you need to know about spearfishing because they're a wary fish. Um, if you make a lot of noise, you're going to scare them off. If you hang around in an area and just keep diving, keep diving, see them, see them, eventually they're going to start getting wary and they're going to move away and you're not going to see them. If you make too much noise, you're going to scare them. If you, you know, you dive and you've got bubbles coming out of your snorkel and out of your mask, they're going to get scared and go. But they do come into very shallow water, so they'll generally be around where there's a few little rocks. They'll be there and they'll be nibbling things off the rocks and you know algae or you know if there's they're omnivorous. So if there's a a worm or there's a little crab or something, they'll eat those. and they do move around as well. So, most of the time, these fish sometimes they'll be singly, but mostly they'll be in, um, in small schools. And they're very, in, in most of the places where they occur, they are quite common. And so, okay, that's the example from um, you know, Europe or um, here in South Africa. Let's say you were in Australia. Well, the, the equivalent fish to a sago in Australia is a tarwine. And, or a yellowfin bream, or um, uh, there, there's a couple of other ones as well, but that small sort of sea bream type shape, and they, they can get to a pretty good size. Uh, they get up to, you know, maybe close to two kilos at the upper limit, but if you get one that's anywhere near a kilo, you've done really, really well, and that's a great size fish as a beginner. A kilo fish is enough to take home, bake, and feed, you know, three or four people, and sit around and share the story, and it's a fantastic sort of fish to target. So I'm, I'm going to say that if you can get um, anything like that, you know, the other one in, in the Mediterranean, they've got the orlata, um, which is, um, what do they call it, doradloyal. It's a bit harder to target. It's a bit smarter. But again, it's a it's a fish that occurs in shallow water, Um you know, you they they tend to prefer rougher water, but you you do get them in calm areas. um, And, you know, it's similar to the saga in in terms of the places you would find it. So, okay, so those fish are going to tend to be around any sort of locks. If there's a bit of leaf or there's some kind of structure, they're going to tend to be there. Now, I think in every single place I can think of here, you're going to get some species of, uh, firstly, goatfish. So in, in, um, in many places, there's a, there's a big red one. And what they call them goatfish because they have two little um, feelers on the underside of their mouth. And they, they really sit on the sand and they, they filter through the sand. And they, they use those feelers to sort of feel for worms or, or something that they want to eat. They, they feel the sand and then they grab it if it's something that, um, that they want to eat. They are brilliant eating. They, they're really good. Um, they're not particularly big. I think the biggest I've ever seen was close to, was maybe close to two kilos, and that was a monster. But they occur in, in practically every ocean you can imagine. I, I, anywhere that I can think of guys diving, they, you get goatfish. And they're common. They occur in shallow water. And the nice thing is, they'll occur in an area that's just sandy with a few patches of, um, of weed. So, and they'll occur in areas where there's a bit of, um, a, a bit of leaf. So, they'll, again, a perfect fish for beginners to start on. They're likely to occur in the area where, where you are. Um, and look, just bear in mind, they, they, go by different names in different places. I think in, in the Mediterranean, they call them barbunia. Um, in Australia, they'll call them red mullet. In, um, yeah, I think in, Euro, in the UK, they'll call them Goatfish. But they, they all inhabit the same sort of areas. And they can actually get quite... When they start getting bigger, they get quite smart and um, you need a bit of skill to learn how to sneak up. So that, that's a fantastic fish to target as well. OK, now the next one that I'm going to go for, um, this is maybe a little bit more specific to Australia. In Australia, there is a whole species or whole genus of fish called silagos, and they're long, skinny little fish, um, silverfish, and this is the, the family of whitings. So the biggest one is the King George whiting, but there's many other species. There's yellowfin whiting, and there's loads. And these all occur in either in in livers or estuaries, or really over shallow sandy areas. And of course, you you know the the King George whiting will occur right down to deep water, but they you do get lots of them in shallow shallow bays that have got a bit of weed and are sandy. And they get to quite a good size and they're delicious eating. And they're also very wary. They, they, they're they quite hard to hunt. So I would say that that is a fantastic fish to try to target as a beginner. It, it Absolutely fantastic. Because same as the sea bream that I mentioned, the um, the tarwine or the sago or, or blacktail, all of these fish... You get to learn about the essence of how to hunt fish, but you get to do it in a very in very shallow water where it's quite safe there's not a lot of um, waves there's not a lot of current you can learn all of the stuff in in very shallow Areas, it's going to be fairly quiet, so you're going to have to focus on swimming very quietly. No, no big splashing when you dive, you're going to have to be smooth, you're going to have to learn to see the fish and kind of wait until it goes behind something, and then you know, quietly dive down and, and try and get closer like that, and, and get ready. you know, anticipate where it's going to be, have your gun stretched out as you come over the weed. There he is, boom, you shoot him. So all of these fish, they're going to teach you fantastic things about how to dive. For the, the sea bleams as well, the tarwine, you're going to need to learn things like good breath hold. Often you'll be in three meters of water. They're not going to come up to you while you're on the surface, so you need to get on the bottom. But you can't just get on the bottom and, and move around. They wary they fish. You need to learn how to get onto the bottom, hide in a clack or, you know, hide behind something, not move, you know, not move your head around, not wave your gut, just keep still, keep quiet, you know, maybe scratch a little lock and then they'll start coming in. That is, you know, what I've just described, that's exactly how you target dentex. Except in dentex you're doing it in 20 meters of water. With these fish, you, you get to learn these crucial skills, but in two meters of water. So instead of needing to hold your breath for, you know, a minute, 30 or two minutes, you get to do it with holding your breath for 20 or 30 seconds. But it's the same exact technique, so it's a, it's a these are fantastic, fantastic fish to learn on, um, and yeah, that's that's what I would um, would recommend you start on. Now, I have gone longer on this podcast than I than I expected. Um, yeah, hope that hope that helps, and uh, I'll chat to you on another podcast.